0: Well, welcome back to A Voice in the Distance Ministries as we're going to be venturing into Exodus chapter 13. Uh, chapter 12, uh, the part 2 section that we did last week was, again, finally towards the end of the last plague, the, the most harsh plague out of all of them, which was the death of every firstborn in the kingdom of Egypt of the Egyptians. And, you know, as, as heartbreaking as that, as that is, God gave the solemn warning. But, but they did not listen to God after everything that was being, that was being witnessed, everything that was happening there. Everything was being ignored. The hearts of, of the, the Egyptian leaders and the Pharaoh himself were being hardened. But the Pharaoh himself, who was the leader of the, of the nation, could have, could have stopped all of this if he would have just surrendered to God and said, you're free to go. But he didn't. He challenged God. He did the worst thing anybody could ever do. He challenged God. He disobeyed God. He disregarded God. And he hardened his heart as well as God hardening it. So he had a double hardening of the heart, which is the most dangerous thing that could happen to a person because that is what gets people into the situations of their, of their demise. And it's that of the hardening of the heart. So in, in the second part of chapter 12, you know, the, the chapter, it, it gave the 10th the plague. And through that, the, finally after that, the Pharaoh said to go ahead and go. Get out of here! Go worship your god and, and bless me while you're at it," he says to Moses. You know, and it's uh, it's interesting when when somebody says such a thing that it's it's come to this part now. Just as a somewhat of a spoiler alert, a lot of us have heard the story of Exodus, but for those that haven't, Pharaoh does not stop from there. And and again, there will be a price to pay. But what we will see here in in this is um is again God moving them once again the previous chapter was called called God will move you and and during that time after the um after the last plague that had happened with the firstborn being dead throughout the kingdom the people were now on the move, but during that time, God was giving them some regulations in a, a celebration, what we know as Passover, which is still celebrated to this day. It was the first celebration in Israel that God had instituted um, with the uh, with the Israelites in the Passover celebration, and it was the celebration of the, the death angel passing over. The houses of the Israelites who obeyed God by putting the blood of the lamb above their doorpost in a identification of those who were of God, and from there that celebration was instituted, and, and so in, in the second part we read about how God gave the regulations on how things were to happen. The um, How all of the congregation of Israel was to keep it forever. And, and you know, uh, if anybody, if a a foreigner wanted to celebrate it, then may they be circumcised and and become as one of us in order to uh, celebrate it. But this was a celebration that was instituted to the Jewish people of the Israelites that God had commanded for them to go ahead and and, uh, celebrate this Passover feast. So now we're going to see again in, in this chapter 13... We're going to see again uh, some um, some other feasts that are to come up. We're going to see the uh, the law of the firstborn and then the wilderness way, where the journey really starts to begin. And so, chapter thirteen is not a big chapter, but it's going to cover a lot of ground. And again, always excited to move forward because as the Israelites were moving forward, we're moving along forward through the word of God. We're moving along forward through the book of Exodus as we're getting to see more of God's hand and heart, His mind, His actions, His likes and Dislikes. So let's continue here as uh, we're going to be looking at verses 13, as we're going to look at first uh, verses 1 through 4, it says, And then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and beast, it is mine. And Moses said to the people, remember this day in which you went out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. For by strength of hand the Lord brought you out of this place. No leavened bread shall be eaten. On this day you are going out in the month of Abib. So when we look at the word consecrate, you know, it sounds big. It sounds important. And it is because it means to either sacrifice or or to give to someone as ownership. Now, not to sacrifice in death, but to sacrifice in giving up to the person who will be the true owner of. Now, in the book of First Samuel, there was a very godly woman named Hannah. And uh, this woman was barren. She could not have children. And in Israel, it was one of the greatest gifts in life to have children. And it was also believed that if you couldn't have them, you were you were cursed in some way. um for whatever reason. That was the outlook of the of the ancient Israelites. That if you could not bear children. You were looked at as a form of. What did you do wrong? Or what did your family members do wrong? Well Hannah prayed to God in tears one day. To have a child. And if she could. That she would consecrate. She would dedicate that child to him. Well God answered her prayer. And at a young age. After having Samuel. Her son, okay, the God, the son that God gave to her, she took him to the temple or to the tabernacle at the time to be raised up by the high priest at that time. And her son would be one of the most blessed prophets in the Old Testament. He would be the last judge in Israel during the time that it was ran by judges, as we know, as Samuel. And all children in a household, okay, all children in a house household were blessed. But you see, the firstborn was simply dedicated to God as a gift from God to have a child. And then it was a gift to God in the dedication of the firstborn child. And it was on the month of Abib. And and our calendar, it's about the time uh, of the end of March to the beginning of April. So in the last plague that was avoided by the Pharaoh of Egypt, that was the firstborn in the Egyptian kingdom. Okay, that was the firstborn in the Egyptian the Egyptian kingdom will die if he refused to let the people go, and this was a reminder of what happened. But yet it was a blessing for the people who were of God to know that their first uh, their firstborn child were, was uh, to be dedicated to God. Israel as a nation would be like that firstborn to God, that special relationship that you have with a firstborn. You know, okay, this Exodus. Was a gift to the people, getting them out of the area, not just because of slavery but also because of the influence uh, the egypt okay, uh, that Egypt had c- because Egypt then was a picture of the world. Egypt was considered like the sin city of the day it was it was very influential, like big cities or or countries of power that can be and sometimes we become comfortable in places we become comfortable in cultures. But we will see that God will institute a new system of worship and standards for them once they were out of Egypt. See, it's not just about taking someone out of a place, but taking the place out of them, out of that person. And we look at uh, the place of Sakath where they ended up. Sakath was a first stop. And Sakath means uh, dwelling places. Uh, it, uh, the words the cough it was like a, uh, a campground where there's areas to pitch a tent uh, kind of like where you would go to a campground where there's uh, fire pits ready for, for use and this is where God brought them for the start of a new beginning and I, I talk to people from different places and, and they say that to pray for their, pray for their town or, or their state because of the influences that are surrounding their children or maybe even them as an adult Because people of all ages get wrapped into stuff for the sake of coexisting. It's kind of that go along to get along, I suppose. But unfortunately, some do not get to go along or get along when they have fallen prey to the death trap of their area. Because God must be in the center of all things. If you're going to make it, no matter, you know, how good or bad the place is, God must be in the center. So let's take a look at verse 5 through 10. And it shall be when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, which he swore to your fathers to give you a land flowing with milk and honey, that you shall keep this service in the month. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day there shall be a feast to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten seven days, and no unleavened bread shall be seen among you, nor shall leaven uh, be seen among you in all your quarters." And you shall tell your son in that day, saying, This is done because of what the Lord did for me when I came up from Egypt. It shall be a sign to you on your hand, and as a memorial between your eyes, that the Lord's law may be in your mouth. For with a strong hand the Lord has brought you out of Egypt. You shall therefore keep this ordinance in its season from year to year. Again, you know, it's amazing to see what God, uh, implemented so many thousands of years ago, leading them to a land of milk and honey, and, and that was a term for, uh, of rich resources. Uh, it wasn't literally milk and honey, but it was a term for rich resources. <clears throat> you know, there was a lot of places that had rich resources back in the day, but they had many problems, okay, morally, spiritually, etc. Sodom and Gomorrah was a place with all of that, and then some. But then it was destroyed by fire as God had enough of what was going on there. So Canaan, the, the promised land, what we know as Israel, Canaan was a place of wickedness and, and vile practices that even some people who were pagan themselves would say, man, that, that's horrible, the things that were going on over there. But we take all these people, the, these tribes, Hittites, or Amorites, Jebusites, they were wicked, they were vile. The, you know, The things that they did to each other were just detestable. And God said, I'm going to clean house. I'm going to revamp the land and it will become prosperous. And, and today it is one of the highest producing fruit and produce growing areas in the east. Because to this day there's still resources in abundance in the region. This tiny little country the st- about the size of the state of New Jersey in the United States has supplied a large majority of produce in that area. And then I found out as of late, uh, they actually became water-dependent for life because they actually figured out how to uh, dissolify water from the Mediterranean Sea to fresh water, uh, as well as reclaimed water into fresh water. So they are blessed. To this day, this is what they're doing. And and the form of milk and honey is seen from thousands of years. But with the blessings, there was a requirement. And that was just remember and take the day of celebration on Passover and and celebrate the deliverance from uh, from slavery. Celebrate the mighty hand of God. Because the, the Jewish leaders and others years later took what God said about the sign to you on your head and on your hand. And what they did was they created this special little box. I can't remember the name of it. I probably wouldn't be able to pronounce it very well. But it's a a special little box that was was on your head and on your hand with a uh, special box holding scriptures in them with a leather strap that was attached to their head and their hand. And it was something they kept on them as a constant reminder with these special scriptures. Because it was helpful to them to remember keeping such things strapped to them. But you see, God was command, what God was commanding was it to be remembered in them versus on them, okay, in, in their hearts and in their minds. When this was to take place, it was a reminder in their walk of purity, a, a life filled with uh, joy in the Lord. The, the Lord allows trials but brings a sweeter victory. Some people say that God is purely wrath in their personal outlooks but we see through his word and and in these last couple of chapters that that he is perfect and he is holy and he's wrathful when the issues were pushed but God is long suffering beyond anyone because he instituted celebrations right how how neat is god he, he instructed to tell your children your descendants what was done by the mighty hand of god and it was to continue Right, Praise God for people. Praise God for churches that celebrate the things of the Lord then and now. And things to come. Because we worship the the same God. Uh, Though many do not celebrate Passover or the other feasts that were ordained in Israel, we still celebrate God. We celebrate the sacrifice of Christ. We celebrate uh, eternal life to come. Because the Lord is delivering people from all sorts of things. And many are in some sort of bondage, and only God will deliver you, but you must be willing to let the Lord lead as he delivered many as they they were obedient. Uh, Verse 11 through 16 says, Then it shall be when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, as he swore to you and your fathers, and gives it to you. That you shall set apart to the Lord all that open the womb, that is every firstborn that comes from animal which you have, the males shall be the Lord's. But every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. And if you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck, and all the firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. So it shall be when your son asks you in time to come, saying, What is this? That you shall say to him, By strength of hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And it came to pass, when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go, that the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. Both both uh, the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all males that open the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. It shall be as a sign on your hand and and as frontlets between your eyes. For by strength of hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt. So when uh, when they were to enter the promised land, there was uh, a law of dedication of the firstborn to God. Why dedicate to God? Because the gifts God gave, uh, to us, we dedicate to Him in remembrance of the deliverance to what God did. And, and now the donkey and the lamb were brought up. <laughs> you know, if a donkey was born, it was redeemed with a lamb. Because the uh, reason being was donkeys were considered unclean animals. Uh, typically considered that, that it was uh, unclean because it was unedible. Uh, so a substitute was offered. And the lamb was the substitute. So redeeming the firstborn child was done by sacrificing a clean animal to God. I'm going to take us into what we uh, relate to in the form that God sacrificed the perfect lamb, okay, a lamb of perfection that was done once and for all. And, and many look at the comparison and will say, "And will say, well, Jesus was the lamb and he died for the donkeys." <laughs> but God's seen us. God seen us as, as much more. Even if we acted like donkeys in our stubbornness. But you know what? What's, what's neat here about this is I want to I invite us to look at some other things here because I'm sure some people would say, well, that's a har- harsh thing to break this donkey's neck. You know, they were very stiff-necked. Uh, but even donkeys were used throughout the Bible. Uh, but the best reminder of what I can remember is the prophecy of Zechariah in chapter 9, which uh, he said in that chapter, Behold, the king comes to you, riding on the foal of a donkey. Right as the Lord, a few days before his death, he came riding into town. Hundreds of years after this prophecy of Zechariah, and the people were worshiping him as as he was passing through on this donkey. You know, when a king, when a king rode into town on a horse, it was normally done in the form of conquering or of declaring war. But if a king rode in on a donkey, it was a sign of peace, and that's what he did. And this animal that was considered to be unclean was blessed beyond any other animal, being chosen to be used as one to bring in the Lord and Savior. You know, we live in a day and age when God blesses all who love Him and walk with Him, firstborn or last. And yes during this time as, as they were to enter the promised land, this was to be done in celebration to God. But in His grace and mercy, all are celebrated. Is, you know, All children, they were known before they were even in the womb. God said that. I knew you before you were in the womb. And, and how blessed are we today to be accepted by the Creator of all things, to know that we are thought of all the time, even when we don't think we are. You know, I, I'm sure the Israelites thought they were they were not thought of at times during the pain and, and the affliction uh, of the Egyptians, but God told Moses that I have heard their cries. And not only did God just hear their cries, he acted upon them. He struck the kingdom with plagues. He made provisions uh, for them by the Egyptian neighbors, sending them off with gifts and gold and uh, jewelry and clothing and stuff. And now the exodus out of the land of Egypt... Okay, see the things required by God by dedication of the firstborn by celebrating the Passover feast were ways of glorifying God and His works out of love. But we see that that it was a way to keep His people close in the ways of obedience and in remembrance of, in celebration on top of it. See, myself, you know, myself even gets put into places of asking, why God? You know, am I thought of? Am I wrong in something? Why is this happening to me? Because we do not always have the answers. But the greatest answer that can be given is that of trusting God. And by that, we're in His good graces. And when we're in His good graces, we will end up in better places. So remember that. And His good graces brings us to better places. Let's take a look at uh, uh, verse 17 to 22. Then it came to pass, when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God did not uh, lead them by way of the land of the, Philist- uh, the Philistines. Although that was near, uh, for, uh, near for God said, le- uh, lest perhaps the people change their minds when they, uh, when they see war and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had placed the children of Israel under solemn oath, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here with you. So they took their journey from Sakoth and camped in Etham at the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light. So as to go by day and night, he did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before the people. What an amazing God, right? So now the adventure begins. And we see the presence of God with them in the form of fire to light the night and travel and a cloud to cover them and the sun in the heat of the day. And then on top of it, we, now we see also the, uh, that the bones of Joseph were taken with them. And uh, this was 360 years now from the death of Joseph. So uh, Joseph died 360 years before this because Joseph lived in the promised land of Canaan before, before it was known as Israel. But Joseph, he was sold into slavery by his brothers. But it, it, within years, Joseph became second in command of the Pharaoh of Egypt back then uh, before Egypt became in the state that we've been reading about. Its state of of hate, <laughs> the, the Israelites were welcome. They were given the prime land of Goshen by the uh, by the Pharaoh uh, from from back then. But that was not Joseph's rightful place, which is why Moses is taking the bones back to the land and where he was meant to be. See the Lord. The Lord is with them. And I think of what Jesus did in the Gospels, as he say, what he said in the Gospels. He said, "My burden is easy and my yoke is light." Or my yoke is light and my burden is easy. I think I got that backwards. And, and, and he was saying that, that he will equip those who, who wish to wear his yoke and move into the direction of the field that is the plow. Because God was doing the same with the Israelites. See, when God wants someone to move, he allows it with his help in the most practical way. God will provide shade to his people. God will provide light for his people. But, see, there must be a will to follow his move. And Jesus is coming back in the clouds. He ascended into the clouds in front of his disciples. And how fitting this is, that fire and clouds were used in the guiding of the Israelites. But I want to quote the book of Revelation in chapter 1, verse 7. It says, Behold... He comes with the clouds and every eye shall see him and they also which pierced him and all kinds of the earth shall wail because of him. And I say praise God for his word because it is that in, which, uh, in what we have an assurance of his presence and his coming. May we have the fire near us to give us the zeal to be on fire for him in our walk and in our journey and serving and walking with him. May his cloud of comfort and protection cover us at all times. See, we look at fire, and fire is a representation of trials, yes. But you see, the fires that were observed by Moses, first by the burning bush, okay, the burning bush that didn't wither or burn or or destroy, which was in the present where God was in present of and then by the pillar of fire at night, did not burn or harm him or those around him. But there is there is other fire out there that will. And that fire is not in the presence of God, which is why the opportunity to receive him as Lord and Savior is given. Again, I remind us that even though this was thousands of years ago, the same God then is the same God now. The same God who never changes because society, society, technology, many other things change. Clothing style changes. But you see, the garments of the true judge, our God, do not come off at the end of the night, nor does it retire onto somebody else. Once and for all, the death of Christ was done for the salvation of this world. Now the question is, is if you want to receive that eternal gift, the ability to do that is simple and easy. It's simple and easy by a prayer that you can say in order to receive Christ as Lord and Savior. And also to have a place set for you in heaven on top of it. But again, the question is, is do you want it? Do you want a place with God? Do you believe in God? And are you willing to receive God? Through his son, Christ Jesus. This was the stepping stone to him. If you've been following along in the other chapters, I I spoke of the Passover. And the Passover feast was also another representation of Christ who also died, who was sacrificed right during the time of Passover. Irony? I think not. Prophecy? Absolutely. (laughs) Coming true? Already happened. But now that you believe through the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will will allow you to to believe, and also want to cause you to receive? Do you want to receive the Lord? Do you believe that God will will deliver you as well? See, the Israelites, they they, they didn't have it easy. And, and nor do anybody else, okay? Life is not a cakewalk just because we receive Christ. But we have an advocate who is who's, who's there watching us at all times. See, the end results the end results are glorious because there is no more pain. There is no more sorrow. Well, who wouldn't want that? Unfortunately, I think people deny it. But you know what? If you're listening to this message and if the Lord is touching you He wants you. He's been wanting you for some time. And maybe you've been curious about him. You've felt something. I want to know, I want to know a little more about this. That's the power of his word. And the importance of, of hearing his word being taught in truth and hearing his word being taught for what it's saying is absolutely vital to your eternity. So I pray that you would, that you would, uh, seek him first. And, then you can get into his word and, and start to grow from there. But you must receive him first before you do anything else. Because there's a lot of people that know of the Lord, but they don't know the Lord. And that is a big difference and a very vital, a vital danger to those who don't know the Lord. I want to give you that opportunity right now. If you want to say this prayer, repeat after me. Dear God, please forgive me, Lord. Please forgive me of all of my sins as I confess, Lord, to you that I am a sinner. And I ask, Lord, for you to cleanse me of my sins, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for dying on the cross for me. I thank you, Lord, for receiving me now, Lord, as I receive you. As I receive you as my Lord, my Savior, and my Father. And may I walk with you all of my days here on earth and may you receive me when my time is up. As I love you and I praise you, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, may God again be with you as you continue to uh, to do this journey in life. You know, God's been uh, working many different things in many different lives out there, but he, he wants to see you. He wants to He wants to see you walking with Him. He wants to see you uh, getting to know Him more and more through prayer. So I pray that, again, through the Word of God and through prayer, through fellowship with others, you're going to experience Him in so many ways. And it's such an honor, again, to be a part of that experience. So I thank you for joining me in A Voice in the Distance, and may you hear His voice in the distance coming close. God bless.